Again, free thinkers, and welcome back to the Free Thought Project podcast. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me today is the Free Thought Project editor in chief, Matt Agarist. So, I hope you all enjoyed our podcast last week with the great Dr. Malone. I'm happy to announce we have several big name guests scheduled for the podcast in coming weeks, so definitely stay tuned and check out our archives to listen to nearly 80 episodes we've recorded with brilliant guests over the past few years. This week, Matt and myself talked to a Twitter firebrand by the name of Forest Mommy. Some of you may already know Forest Mommy, aka Jessica Fenske, as she is a popular commentator on the site and has a devout following. Forest Mommy exploded onto the scene in 2020 after COVID policies created yet another motivated, frustrated, quote, anti-government influencer hell-bent on calling out the badness. Now, the day before this interview, Forrest Mommy had been doxxed by a local NBC journalist, and of course, I use that word lightly here, so we discussed that situation along with how Forrest Mommy got into the game, her recent filing for city council in her city of Arvada, and we also talked about the culture wars and what can be done to mitigate the divide-and-conquer agenda that's in full swing. Okay, so I came across your uh, Forest Mommy Twitter profile quite a long time ago. It was back in, during COVID, right? When COVID first started, it was in May of 2020. And um, as I'm sure many folks know, you made this viral video. It's still pinned to your profile. It's like about this COVID care and, <laughs> and it was hilarious. Uh, but really true. You know, it was about Americans snitching on each other and reporting people for not wearing masks. And I mean, this was happening all over. And um, that's what made it both hilarious and like pretty hard hitting. But uh, ever since then, I've been following you and which has almost been three years now, which is crazy. And you've been banned multiple times as we were <laughs> and uh, multiple times you've kind of snuck back in using other accounts. But uh, in I guess recently, like in the last month or two, your original account was reinstated after uh, Elon bought <laughs> Twitter. I got them all back now. <laughs> I love all your free spirited tweets and like your hard hitting yet funny points you make promoting libertarianism and voluntarism. It's uh so, you know, we definitely want to get into the Mises caucus and your move to run for lo local office. But I guess like our first question is a little bit broader as in like, how did you get here? You know, how long have you been like this hilarious and also powerful personality known as forest mommy? And uh, what led you down this path to personal freedom? Um, so I've been, I've always been anti-government. I was on my own young, so no one ever was like telling me what to do. So I've kind of, you know, within the confines of like having money to survive and stuff like that, I've always just done what I want to do. So I think that kind of helped me 
become me <laughs> and mm. also i like I, I made a post the other day like i'm just too dumb to not be me like i don't know how to not <laughs> like how to not just be ridiculous um but once the covid stuff started so 2020 i funny enough i had i had gotten doxxed off of facebook which that's it, my personal it wasn't like a personal information it was like someone sending pictures and stuff like that so i got off of facebook then mm. covid happened I needed somewhere to like say what was happening was wrong. Um, so I'd started the Twitter and I actually had a couple different names at first. I was authoritarian Karen at first <laughs> and, and then like a couple other names. And then for some reason, I, so I grew up in a forest. I, my property, my family has property in forests, um, a couple different places. So I'm just like a forest person. And so that kind of just stuck. And it wasn't even like, like everyone, the mommy thing is kind of like, yeah, do you have kids? You know, no. Okay. All right. <laughs> but it just appeared that like adults needed this like blessed mother kind of energy, you know, mm -hmm. someone, then the more and more it grew, the more people would like, I just was getting this feeling that that's kind of just how people were taking it. Like a kind of a mother earth loving mother kind of thing. So, I mean, and once I got my account back, the forest mommy one with that pin, I think that video is so cringe now, but like, <laughs> it's so, at the time, I mean, and I made that May, 2020, mm -hmm. I made that so early on in all this crap that happened. Right. And like, I, it's, it, I was just like, I foresaw it, all this stuff happening, but, um, so I went back and looked at some of my like earlier posts from when I first started and I didn't have any followers. I didn't have any you know, no one was liking anything and I was still just screaming. Like I was still just saying all this <laughs> stuff. And, and then it just eventually built that video definitely helped. And then, you know, I got banned. I never thought I was going to get that video back because I didn't have it on my phone or anywhere. And so when that account got banned, it was gone. <laughs> they held all of your, um, like all the content that was on that account. Yeah, Like you, you can banned. look at some stuff, but all the media is all like, it's all blinked out. Damn, that's pretty amazing. We were banned in 2018 on Twitter and Facebook on the same day, and uh, we've never been reinstated. Elon doesn't like us, so we didn't get that back. Are you still appealing? <laughs> I like, I I don't even know. Like this one, I ran. I was appealing the forest mommy one. I mean, a hundred times. I must have done it over the year, and then all of a sudden, one time, I got it back. <laughs> it was just weird. I think they only gave us the opportunity to appeal it once and then they wouldn't let us uh, appeal it ever again. So they, you know, allowed us to give that initial one. And we actually have three different Twitter accounts and uh, the free thought project one was the, I think the most, I think I had like 14 K, which isn't even that much. And, you know, it's still though, it takes work. Yeah. They don't get it. Right. Like once I got banned off of Twitter, when I was at like, I don't know, the first account I was at 18,000 when I got banned and then I built the next one up to 25 or something, but it's a lot of work. And I, mm -hmm. that was where most of my following was. So when they took that away, you know, building, I started building other places, but there was just no way to get back to that point. Yeah. Well, we lost 6 million on Facebook. Oh my God. So <laughs> that was pretty, uh, a pretty big hit. And we lost all we had to, we're, we're it's now it's just Jason and I, and um, a couple other folks who, don't require much pay to keep them around. And um, that's what the free thought project is now. And we're, we're trying to, we're in the rebuilding process. So uh, we definitely know how it feels to, uh, to hit that censorship yeah. <laughs> um, wall, if you will. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Which speaking of, right. So we didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything wrong when you were censored. You were just talking about 
what you were observing going on. I, I mean, I'm sure you got, they claim COVID disinformation or something like this, but I'm pretty sure you didn't threaten anybody or, or, you know, harm anybody and neither did we, but recently <laughs> yesterday um, we actually saw somebody and and the, the victim was you, <laughs> right? There's, <laughs> there's this guy, this, this, uh, I guess, investigative journalist from nine news, Denver, uh, Jeremy Jojola. Yeah. Jo -Jo -Jo -Jola. Uh, no one knows how to say his name. Jojola. Jojola. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm glad you guys said it. I wasn't yeah, sure how to say yeah. it. Yeah. But like the, you know, the, the, there's two things that I want to touch on that. The first one is just a statement that, he made this mean tweet and he thought that it was going to be an insult to call you an anti-vaxxer and anti-government, which I found was hilarious. I'm yeah. like, you just basically made her a free campaign poster. <laughs> he really did. He really did. Yeah. But then it got more serious and he kind of essentially doxed you. I mean, this guy's a, a professional, you know, air quotes, journalist in, in, Colo in Colorado. 12 and years. He He's been working you. at Nine News for 12 years, too. Yeah. He doxed you and calls you the bad guy, right? Like what, like what, what actually led up to all this? How did it, did it, did it come to this head yesterday with him doxing you and then retracting it and apologizing and all that? Kind of apologizing. Um, so yeah, kind of. <laughs> so, I mean, over during all the COVID stuff, I definitely had plenty of back and forth with the, the journalists there because they were acting like commie activists with all the COVID stuff, you know, and shaming people, threatening people, all this stuff. Um, so in his mind, I was posted, I posted more stuff about it today. In his mind, he thinks I made, this is also ridiculous. I hate Twitter beef. I never get into Twitter beef either. This is why I hate this because I go back and forth and explain it all. But he, um, he thinks in his mind that I was a part of somebody who made a comment that maybe his dad was killed by the vaccines. He, mm, so yeah, he first in January, he threatened to dot. And I just posted this today. He threatened to dox my friend for the same thing. He said, my friend made these posts about his dad, but they didn't. And a, okay, let's just lay this out. Someone could say whatever they want about your dad. You don't post personal information. Like this is just like, exactly. you know, baby stuff. So, um, he had, he had, threatened to dox my friend. So then I had my friend on my live stream to talk about it where we, we name dox ourselves again. And we like put everything out there about us. And, um, basically we were showing how my friend didn't say anything about it. my friend didn't make these, these tweets. And this guy had this like revenge against my friend. He also texted my friend. He found his number and texted yeah. him and threatened him with like, when my friend was 21, he had a mugshot for some pot charge or something. And he was like, I'm going to expose you. And so he made this whole thread in January, exactly like the thread he made about me, threatening to dox him. He didn't, he said his, he, I don't think he said his name in that one, but he ended up saying his name in the thread about me the other day. So I, I've, I haven't even talked to this dude. I've had him blocked. And as he posted in his thing, he's had me blocked, but somehow, <laughs> somehow within 12 hours of me just posting a picture saying I'm running. He made that post. It wasn't even 24 hours. It wasn't even, the ink wasn't even dry on that affidavit. And this dude was stalking me to make this That's post. some stalker vibes. I was about to say that. Yeah. Like me, like this is a professional journalist with a major news organization. And I'm just, I mean, I've got kind of big on Twitter, but I'm still just like a normal, I'm a normal, like working class suburb girl. You know, I'm not, this isn't, I don't know, it's grown and stuff, but like, why is, was he so targeted on me? And he's still lying and saying, 
I'm saying stuff about his dad, which I never did. And even on my live stream with my friend, we didn't say anything about his dad in that live stream either. And he posted a clip where I didn't say anything. Like literally. I, I was about to say that. Like, I, mean, I guess you can't see his tweets, but I scrolled his tweets and he posted the clip from that. And no one said anything about his dad. Like, You're talking about a random dude and then no one names or anything. Let's play the clip really quick because, yeah, that was another thing I was going to mention as well. It's like, you know, if you're going to bring to the table some evidence of slander or defamation, like it better be good, right? There actually has to be some substance there. But the way that your podcast guests phrased this and framed it, I mean, there's really no accusation, direct accusation. And, and I don't know, it just it seems really benign and it really just uh, seems like he's throwing a fit of anything. So here I actually have the clip all ready to go. Happened was that I personally would never give my father, who's terminally ill with cancer, uh, an unknown vaccine or a shot, if whatever they want to define it as, because they keep changing the definitions of all this stuff. I, I just thought it would be inhumane. Like, you don't know how long you, your loved ones would be there. Why give them an experimental product that you don't even know the side effects? That's a direct attack. <laughs> That's all. And I literally did say. And like I literally didn't say anything. I have my, I didn't say any words at all. And he's using this as some like evidence, and it's not even good evidence. And we've posted longer clips. Everyone can go watch the live stream. No one said anything about his dad. My friend Kyle, like he explained, he said the only post he made was like I wouldn't have given my dad that or something. And this this psycho. I mean, there's obviously something deep going on in this dude for him to like, I mean, anyone who acts like this online anyways, anyone who doxes people or anyone who does this has some problems in their head, right? And this psycho just like grabbed onto that and just, and, and did this. He literally wanted people to harm me, wanted to come to my house and harm me because of some mean posts on the internet that I had nothing to do with. <laughs> like, And he's a professional ethical journalist. Like, what is going on? Well, ethical is a loose term with this guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think this really highlights the the scorn and vilification of you know anyone who's quote anti-vaxxer or anti-government. And unfortunately, some of these mainstream normies, like they just they still don't get it, right? And they're gonna die on that hill. You know, like if that means that they have to uh you know falsify some information or I don't, I don't know, maybe present a claim that isn't exactly true. Uh, they will do that. And if that means that, you know, they get maybe a few more followers, a few more likes, uh, whatever it may be, you know, that their incentive is based upon and then they, they'll do it. So I don't know. I mean, this one's definitely a strange case. And I guess he also shared a couple of your screenshots that you made in uh, what was it? 2020, or at least one of them was 2020. Um, basically just calling out journalists, right? I think here I have it pulled up. Your tweet starts with uh, mobs can surround people's houses now with no repercussions. So time to fuck with local journalists. I don't know how the scum sleep at night. So obviously this is something that he's taking personal, right? You never use his name in there. You never actually directed people to go to his home. Yet he's taking on this persona as, you know, he is this journalist that you're, you're, you're targeting here. It's strange to me, I guess the other one too, Time to start following and non-violently watching journalists. So you even specified there non-violently. It's easy to find their homes if houses are in their name. They deserve no peace for what they've taken part in. It's time to fight back. This is all completely acceptable, right? Like this is how we apply pressure to many people in, in the mainstream, the people in government. Obviously, we're not here to promote violence. We're, we're more into the 
the war on information, you know, the battle of ideas, but we also have to apply pressure. There's also things that we can do, civil disobedience, protest. So in my mind, I don't really see how you've crossed the line here, but yet this this Jeremy clown is is taking it personally. Yeah, it's it's wild. And like I said, he he was stalking my page within 12 hours to do that. Like I didn't even have anything. I still don't even have my bank account set up, you know, and all the campaigns set up in this dude. Like it's just it's it's kind of scary because I'm like I am just a normal like I said, a normal working class person. And I couldn't even go 24 hours without an attack, you know, like this is what they want. They want to scare people and intimidate people. And obviously he had a little bit of a personal issue too, but like, oh yeah. And he admitted that in there. He admitted I'm doing this for personal reasons. And one of the, it's like, bro. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, but it's wild, man. It's going to be really crazy when you, um, you know, when you move through the political ranks here, as you, you know, because now you're pretty well known over there now. Now I can't stop. I'm like, the dude just emboldened me, like made me want to go even harder. Like now I'm just going to be like ridiculous. I'm going to still be ridiculous too. I was planning, I wasn't planning on kind of having a troll campaign, but like now I kind of want to a little bit too, <laughs> like just to act like Trump a little bit, like just to make them mad. I'm actually running unopposed as of right now. So. Oh, wow. That's, some, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's pretty uh, fortunate. <clears throat> I know. So if it stays that way and I do get like donation campaigns, I'm just going to like, I'm just going to be silly with it. And the people like who are going to donate to me know that, you know, and I think they appreciate that. So. Yeah. Well, Jeremy might throw his hat into the ring now. He might have to, he might be compelled ethically <laughs> to stop the dangerous forest mommy from, from ruining Ohio politics. I mean, Colorado politics. <laughs> Oh my gosh, so wild. Obviously, you know, you have a very passionate audience. I was really surprised to see how many people came to your defense, uh, how many people you had in your comment section, just kind of chiming in. And it seems pretty obvious that you have a very passionate following. And um, how did this transpire? Like what turned, you know, what changed after all this? I mean, I know we had briefly mentioned that he, uh, you know, he pulled it down, but like, can you explain like what happened next? Um, yeah, so he, I, I never even saw, I don't, I got screenshots of the actual affidavit that he posted. Um, but he pulled that one down pretty much right away, right before he locked comments. And then people, I kind of brought it to people's attention a little bit quietly. I didn't want to make a big deal of it at first, you know, cause when people just so you just kind of contain the information. Um, so he pulled that down and then he turned off comments. Cause after I started like let people know what was going on people started commenting obviously so then he turned off comments sorry to interrupt but can you can you explain what was on this affidavit it's just like um basically i'm running for this position and you have to put your address and phone number on it and stuff oh okay so it did have personal information just oh yeah yeah Yeah, he didn't redact anything he didn't redact any of it okay i'm sorry i didn't want to interrupt i just in case people were confused i want them to know what what exactly was on there no you're fine and it is technically public information but the way he did it is it is doxing because especially on twitter now um yeah (laughs) yeah and the way he was like a side point really quick we just had a shooting out here and i'm like okay the day before you were trying to send crazy people to me and then we have a shooting like do you not understand Mm. like where these people just don't get it they don't get it anyways um so he pulled out the affidavit down left the whole thread up and then the next day he well first he shut out comments and that's when he got quote retweeted to hell (laughs) (laughs) 
And then it just started. I knew Liberty Twitter would drag him. But then when the bigger accounts and then like Jesse Kelly and all these people started. Those conservative up, twins so. retweeted it. What? What? Yeah. Hi, yeah. The I know all twins. These, like, yeah. <laughs> And this has been my whole thing out here, too, because, like, I'm not Republican. I'm not GOP, but we have a really good relationship with them out here, our Libertarian mm -hmm. Party and them. And, like, they've been, like, loving me over the last few weeks. Like, I just am trying to bring people together because right now we have one enemy, and that's the government. Like, the, in my mind, that's the biggest enemy, and I think we can all get together and fight them. And, you know, whatever. But so now I have all these conservatives. Like, even more people are like, oh, yeah, she's awesome. And you guys know I'm a little crazy on there. So I'm like... <laughs> Oh boy, <laughs> but um, so yeah, he took that down. So then he took the whole thing down and then he wrote that apology where he still says anti-vax and anti-vax to the progressives is the N word. That's all it yeah. is to them. They are, they are dehumanizing people when they say it. And you can see in his apology, he says it, he says it almost every post in that apology. He's just trying to dehumanize me. He has no respect for me as a human. And I'm not even, my platform has never even been anti-vax. I, I will well, talk if you're about against mandates, mandates. That's now about... encompassed under the term anti-vax as of 2021. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yep. They just don't. They just need to a slur to dehumanize you, and that's it. So surprisingly, I mean, yeah. It, it Dr. Robert Malone brought this up on our podcast last week, but I mean, the term anti-vaxer isn't even something that's really derogatory anymore. Like it, it used to be. You know, but like I think he had mentioned like two thirds of the country now identify as anti-vax. And of course, they changed those definitions as to what anti-vax actually means. But <laughs> that's not really a, a very good criticism. And of course, these normies, you know, they, they just don't get it. Like these mainstream people, like they, they still haven't really tapped into the subculture. So they still think that's like a really, you know, mean insult or derogatory term or something. They're going to call you anti-war next as a slur. <laughs> yeah. The same kind of anti-war bitch. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Seriously, though. And, and after the like last three years, all the names I've got calling and I, I don't know, like I've been called all right. I've been called all these names. And it's like they call you these names to try to shut you down. And I'm like, I was bullied to hell growing up. Do you think anything you can say to me is going to affect me like that? Like, I, I don't care. Call me whatever you want. But the, it. They've used the language to try to shut people down for so long. They really think it still works. And it's okay. it, they don't understand it's not working anymore. Like that, he had no idea that was going to happen. He had no <laughs> idea what happened to his post was going to happen. Like he really thought he was doing something. And then when he said, this is the public sphere, all condescending, like, the, or the public <laughs> arena. And then he shuts off. He comments. thought he was going to bully like, you. And it ended up that ugh, he got called so... out for it and it didn't end well for him. And yeah, he got he had to run away with his tail between no. his legs, but he still he was like so addicted to trying to bully you that he had to <laughs> even in his apology he had to keep calling you anti-vaxxer. No. Uh, and lying, still lying, saying I said anything yeah, about yeah, his dad still, or anything. Still lied about, about like, that. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. Maybe we should call them segregationists. Maybe that would be like even keel, you know, <laughs> bring some balance to the force. Yeah. What's what's important also to point out is that had the roles been reversed and you would have posted something like that about him and you work for nine news, I guarantee you this guy would be calling nine news right now and trying to get you fired. Right. But none of your people are doing oh, that yeah. or I haven't seen any like none of your followers. And, and you know, I, that's the last thing on my mind, like is to cancel this guy. Like he's he's pretty doing a pretty damn good job of canceling himself. But had, the you know, had the roles been reversed, it would have been just like that. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure some people did call just with the exposure it got and stuff. And 
but I made sure to make a post like, do not dox him, do not post his information. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, got to get that out there too, because I don't want to. Although now, like, I mean, I feel like I'm a journalist now, so I'm like, <laughs> there's no reason I can't show up at his house, ask him questions. But I'm, there might be some legal stuff going on, so we have to wait till after that happens. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> Again, though, I think this really highlights like this mentality of obviously we we know like some of the more high profile mainstream talking heads and journalists, but even the local media, the local, I and mean, what's this guy again? He's like, uh, what is it? NBC? It's NBC. And they work for Tegna, which we've been doing deep dives into his to nine news and Tegna. And like, I don't know if you guys know what Tegna is, but they own like, they own 60 stations across the country. You know, they're one of those ones where they all repeat the same yeah. thing. Well, and then Tegna is run. The people on the Tegna board are all ex Pfizer executives. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's so insidious, and they're selling it right now. But they've been in this like trying to sell it for almost a year. Something's going on, and there's this also. So there may be he may have been instructed to like try and take me down too. I don't know, which is stupid because I'm not that powerful. Like I don't understand. <laughs> like, well, he saw and, you run uncontested, yeah. and he had to you know shut you down. Can't can't be having yeah. libertarians move up the ranks. Don't underestimate yourself too. It, it, obviously, you have more power than they want you to have. I know, and they're they're like they are making me worse. Like I'm already <laughs> too full of myself and like nuts, <laughs> and like they're just keep like. Like when Twitter took me down and then now this, it's just like, what? Yeah. I'm just going to get worse. I'm sorry. Well, I think we devoted enough time to this Jeremy guy, but uh, <laughs> like he, he he's going to crash and burn on his own. But like to stay on that same topic about you joining, you know, running for local office there, what actually was the impetus behind you deciding that you want to throw your hat into the Mises caucus and get involved? What you have some big plans? Um, yeah. So during all the COVID stuff, obviously like people out here that were in the party, I wasn't part of the party before or anything. They started, we all started mm-hmm. meeting and hanging out. And then I just, I became a member and blah, blah, blah. And Cause it was people, I lost all my friends during COVID and these people were all really cool. So it's like new friends. Um, and then recently last year, at the end of last year, our, our Mises state organizer kind of stopped. So I they kind of asked me to set. So I'm actually a Mises state organizer out here with another guy, Justin Savoy. So we're Mises state organizer. And I don't know if you guys know right now with Mises, it's, there's this huge push to run local. There's a huge push to run local. It's basically like all I'm trying to focus on too because I feel like, like I said, my enemy is the government. And I feel like the last – the last fight, the last chance we have against them is local. You know, everyone talks about, oh, libertarians can't win federal, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, we know, duh. So run local where we can. I don't know if you guys know, but we won, um, if you know where Aaron Lamb is, he's Mises Caucus as well. And he won the mayor of a little town out here. So we have a Mises Caucus mayor out here in Colorado. So he kind of helped, like, he kind of helped, uh, I don't know what the word would be, but like he really sparked something in a lot of us. Where, yeah, yeah. So we're all like, okay, there's a, there's a chance. And then, um, so I'm running for Arvada city council district four. And, um, I didn't want to, I honestly didn't want to, um, there's another libertarian running in the other district that's up. And so he was getting all set and I was like, and they talked, my our campaign guy out here at the LP is like, you know, there's no one running yet. You only need so many votes, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's a nonpartisan race, obviously. 
<laughs> so it's like mm-hmm. I really didn't want to, but I have no excuse not to. I had I don't actually have kids. I have a I have a really good life right now, so I have time for it. And and the last two months I've been getting really involved with our like local affiliates and politicking and going to events and stuff. I I went and spoke at our capital in Colorado. We spoke against against and for a couple bills. And so I was like, I guess I kind of, I guess this is kind of just, it's all led up to this where I have to at least try. So I'm, I'm trying. That's awesome. We've, we've discussed that in length, uh, localism basically where, you know, there's no, there's no change coming from the top down, but you can essentially, I mean, we were seeing it unfold in places like Keene, you know, New Hampshire, where you can run for local office take over everything and then let it all go, (laughs) you know? Like you, you can just and and that's a really effective way of insulating at least small areas on the map from like huge status problems. You can if you know if you can get into like a sheriff's department or something like that, you know, it could it could expand and, and insulate an entire community from some really terrible policies that come from the top down. And like you said, there's absolutely no way that anyone's going to run for president and change a damn thing. Right. <laughs> you know? So that's like the whole um, thing. They're like, we know Dave will probably run, but it, we know he won't win. It's just getting the message out at the very, at that level, you know, like we know we're not going to win a presidency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Jim, Jimmy Dore actually had uh, Robert Kennedy on his podcast this week and he just kind of scolded Kennedy like you really think you're going to change anything if you run for because Robert Kennedy's throwing his hat into the uh mix for presidency as well on, on for the democratic nod which he'll, he's not going to get but um you know Jimmy Dore like uh, he, although he's you know socialist he still sees that like like he still sees that there's no change coming from the top down and it was pretty funny to hear him scold Robert Kennedy about that I know. Well, that's like all the name. That's been my big thing on Twitter, too, because obviously everyone's like, you should do this. You should do this. You shouldn't do that. And it's just like, shut up, like show up or shut up. Uh, No one wants to listen to this anymore. All these warriors on Twitter, like you guys aren't doing anything as with the Mises Cockerbowl. And it's like we we are like you're literally not doing anything. (laughs) It's doing a lot. And as an anarchist, I, you know, I'm opposed to political power or anything like that. But I definitely support these localized moves to try to take the wand back from, you know, and not, not, not keep it like the Lord of the Rings ring, but, right. but make yeah, changes. I said, if to, I run more than push. two, if I want more than two terms, just kill me, kill me at that point. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. They might just make you uh queen of queen forest mommy <laughs> over there. And, <laughs> Oh, who would have known it would come to this? (laughs) But even this Jeremy fellow, you know, who we were just talking about, he made that a point that you're anti-government, yet you're running for a government position. And it's like this this huge, you know, intellectual conundrum that he can't quite, you know, get over. And I, I could see on its face maybe why that's a little bit confusing. But at the same time, as the Mises Caucus has pointed out, Jeff Dice, you know, the 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 president of the Mises Institute, he's also mentioned that basically the left has co-opted all these local positions within our you know local governments and that's a big reason why a lot of these covid mandates covid policies got put into place in the first place so it's more of just taking back some of the the ground that we've lost from the left and from the right i guess as well uh but of course you know that's part of this multi-pronged approach that 
I think at least here at the Free Thought Project, we've always embraced as being the solution, you know, and one of those is the political route. And even, you know, as Matt was just saying, as anarchists, like, yeah, maybe we don't necessarily agree with the political process. We don't agree with the funding or the, you know, how laws are enforced. I mean, all these things include violence, but at the end of the day, like we still need people who are going to be representing us, you know, our beliefs, our principles on the local level or else the left and, you know, the, the mainstream normies are just going to basically take these positions and run with them. And they don't a lot of times have the critical thinking skills and not to say that we're better than them or whatever, but like we've, we've examined a lot of this stuff, you know, we've researched it, we've done the work we've, we've dug in and, you know, so we have more of that intellectual foundation, whereas a lot of these people are, are just doing it for politically motivated reasons, whether it be more connections, networking, uh, more power in their area. So, yeah, there is a very specific reason why the Mises caucus has pushed this decentralized revolution. That's because we need to or else we're just going to be pushed completely off the map. And our, our position that we represent as libertarians is not going to be involved on the local level anymore. Yeah. And I've said many, many times, like, actually, you know, I don't believe in the political process. I don't think it'll work. But if we can get in and shake things up and troll or whatever, like, it's worth it. And it's just one strategy. This is what like people always want to like, put everything down. I'm like, there are millions of strategies out there to fight for liberty. Go do them. This is just yeah. one strategy that some of us are going at. I have other strategies I'm working on as well. Like, I, I, I get the whole, I used to be on a land trust board and I thought that was too authoritarian. That's why like, at, well, they discriminated against me and I got off, but I remember having this, like, cause I was anti-government and I'm like, oh my gosh, a, a, a conservative easement, you know, and at the end of the day, a cop with a gun can show up to like prove that you can't build here or something, you know? And I thought that was too authoritarian and now I'm trying to get into government, but there's a reason for it. There's like, a, there's a reason behind everything I do. So we'll get it. Yeah. So you mentioned trolling. If you get in, like, do you have any kind of um, official campaign policies that you're going to that you're going to run on? Anything no, like no I hadn't even got that far yet. Like, <laughs> No, but one thing I don't know if you guys know the story, Johnny Hurley. Yeah, he was a friend of ours. Yeah. So, John. Yeah. So, Johnny, um, obviously, there's going to be a, there's Arvada police has had a lot of issues like Johnny. That was a huge issue, obviously. But they've paid out a bunch of settlements for some police, quietly paid out um, some settlements for police brutality. So, you know, within, obviously, I'm just city council, so I won't have, like, all this power or anything. But, like, anything for police reform that I can be a part of, I will. Anything to cut down on city spending. Anything to get cut down on taxes for the people here. We had, um, right around 2020, the city council here. Um, we're, it's a big it's a big, broad suburb. It's huge out here. Um, and they tried to make it so you had to use one trash service, which some cities that works where you have one trash service through the city. That's fine. But they wanted to make it so you had to use the person they wanted to use instead of having the freedom to use whichever trash service you wanted. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the city council people were like, oh. It was just so difficult to like, there was so much information we had to vote this, but anyways, enough people complained and it got overturned and people have the, there is a city trash service, which obviously someone was just getting a kickback for that company, you know, and like, totally. so I, oh, stuff like mind. that. Yeah. Like stuff like that is going to be a no for me. And it'll be really cool if that, if the other libertarian gets in too, cause then we're basically half the council. <laughs> so we're just going to like, <laughs> it'll just be, it'll just be really fun to be 
they won't they obviously will never have had someone on the council who acts and talks like me so that'll be a shock to them and then if we have someone else where we just are constantly fighting back against any stupid city projects they've they've done some really stupid real estate deals i'm a, I'm a real estate broker too so that's like yeah. my background and so like i would love to like be a part of any of that stuff they have some you know giving raises to people things like that where we don't need to be you know a bookkeeper doesn't with the state or with the city doesn't need to be making like one hundred fifty thousand dollars and asking for a raise it you know things like this so that'll i still literally this guy jumped the gun because like i like i said the ink wasn't even dry we didn't have anything else set up yet i was just doing the first process and now i'm like ah like I get and you already hit the Streisand effect. I know. <laughs> wild. So yeah. wild. Man, I had no idea up until you just mentioned Johnny Hurley that, that Arvada was the same Arvada. And um, yeah. did you know Johnny? When I said we I, were friends, we had met. I met him personally. I think Jason did too when we were at the Free Your Mind conference in 2016 um, or maybe 2015 in, in, in Pennsylvania. And then we were friends on, on Facebook. That was it. You know, it's not like, uh, we hung out, like he was really close with some of our other closer friends, but, um, we, we covered his story in depth and, um, you know, it was tragic that that happened, but what was worse was not, not worse than him dying, but like afterward was, you know, they still haven't released the video of where they say he was picking up the gun and that gave them just cause to shoot him. Right. Which they, you know, that they We should probably give our audience a little background on the story. Yeah. So Johnny Hurley, we didn't we we dedicated an entire podcast to it before. I forgot the guy's name that was on. But um, was it Bruce by chance? Yes. Yeah, yeah it was Bruce. <laughs> I do know Bruce. We're buds. Yeah. So Johnny Hurley was a good Samaritan and a mass shooter began. He had a mission to murder cops and people. And he shot a cop in Arveda and Johnny Hurley heard the gunshots was a concealed carry like fucking badass you know like i watched the video this dude runs he has he pulls his gun and like takes cover from behind a brick wall takes out the active shooter who was about to go take untold lives already killed one cop yeah, yeah he had already killed one cop and he was on a mission to kill more and anybody else who got in his way johnny takes him out goes over to disarm him allegedly picks up the the rifle to move it away from the body and when he did that he was gunned down by um a craig brownlow right and who was never charged with a crime and never found to be have done anything wrong and it was all swept under the rug i think they gave johnny's mom a little payment and but they released all of the video of every angle everything from that entire day except for the video of, of what they said justified shooting johnny and yeah. it's it's infuriating that that's you know still today we haven't had that video and this is now going on two years yeah three months will be two years yeah, yeah. it was uh june 21 i think june yeah. 21 yeah and the worst part was like a lot of us i knew something was up right away obviously COVID had just happened and like all of our spidey senses are up the literally mm -hmm. right after it happened that day they had this huge because the cop died. All they talked about was how the cop died, which he was. Uh, he actually was a decent cop, from what I hear. He was like he worked. He was a resource officer at a middle school, so the kids loved him. Like he was that kind of a good dude. Mm -hmm. uh, but they like were like cop. This cop died. This cop died. All they talked about was how this cop died, and they had this huge like cop uh, procession that went all through the metro area and cop, 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 cop. And it didn't come out till like three days later, what happened about with Johnny, they didn't release that, you know? So 
they just from the minute it started it was it was insane and that guy yeah that that guy was going to kill a lot of people it's a busy little area down there and it was lunchtime it should probably be noted too that johnny was a devout anarchist and uh he you know he lived by the principles he, he very much uh helped his community when he could he was the one who stopped this potential i mean th- i can't remember the name of the the mass shooter at this point but he had left a note Troy basically yeah that's right troiki he had basically left a note uh, about an hour earlier that it's one of his family members found plotting his actions to take out as many cops as he could so there's a certain level of irony there that Johnny, who was an anarchist, stopped this guy from shooting more cops. And, and then an officer, uh, Officer Brownlow, shows up, doesn't announce himself. You know, he failed to announce himself as a police officer before he shot Johnny and uh, ended up killing Johnny. Now, it, it, it's obviously tragic. And the video still gives me chills. Like even when I watch it to this day, his bravery and, and courage to run into a situation to put himself in harm's way to potentially stop what he perceived as a mass shooting. I mean, his spidey, you're just talking about spidey senses, like his spidey senses clicked on immediately. I think he was in a, a, a pawn shop or army, Navy, army, Navy surplus store. Or something. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. surplus store. And he was in his t-shirt and vans and he ran out there and there was cops in the area fully geared up that wouldn't run out there. Yeah. And so you could just see like the, the, the switch click in his head, like, I need to do something. I need to be involved. I need to get over there to help this situation in any way that I can. And he did. He disarmed the threat. Now, have you heard like if there's been much pushback within the community about the lack of accountability? And like, is there still people trying to keep the story alive and trying to seek legitimate accountability? Well, I know um, on the year anniversary, they announced his mom and sister did file a lawsuit against the city. I haven't followed up if we're, if it went through completely yet. Um, no, they kept everything so quiet because this was a good guy with a gun. That doesn't fit the narrative. Right. This was a good, peaceful man with a gun who did the right thing. And that doesn't fit the narrative. And also it was a white man killed by cops. No one was burning anything down out here. No one burned. There was no riots. So... And um, it's We Are Change is the group. And they've, you know, had some rallies and stuff afterwards. They are the most peaceful people I have ever met in my life. They're like hippies, you know. And the day that they released everything and said they weren't filing charges, we did mm-hmm. a rally. They had a rally over at the, um, like, the Jeffco office over there. And they were like, all they were preaching was forgiveness to the cop, forgiveness to the DA for not like just the most peaceful people. <laughs> and like literally the year before, everyone burned the city down because of a black man, or burned their country down because of the because of what happened with um with George Floyd. You know, so like they kept this under. I mean, there are people in Colorado who don't even know this story, who don't even know what happened with Johnny Hartley. Like they they have reported on it, you know, yada yada, but they just. They've contained it. They've definitely contained it because it is not the narrative that we need. They need. Kind of speaks to the effectiveness of riots, though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want if you want the news talking about you, go light a building on fire. Yeah, really. Yeah, it was like it was just it was just it was just such like hypocrisy, not hypocrisy, but just like I don't even know. Double it's not irony either. Just, yeah, yeah, just like how here was a good person and no uproar like really no uproar but then yeah anyways it's just 
It was wild. I think it's because it doesn't, you know, I'm, I'm firmly believe that the media establishment in the West is their target mission is to divide the population because they act as like this Praetorian guard for the, the government and like the deep state, if you will, for lack of a better word, but the unelected officials who run things worldwide. And if they put a story out like Johnny Hurley's, which actually kind of shows that the state are not infallible and it shows that there's heroes and, and it kind of brings people together. Like that's why they weren't, they were in, when they did the protest, when they found out that uh, Brownlow wasn't going to be charged, that's why they weren't like screaming and yelling, you know, because Johnny's story is somewhat like really inspiring outside of the fact that he was murdered by a cop, you know, but that that goes against the entire narrative of what the mainstream establishment media pushes, because every story has to be, you know, uh, infighting and, and, and push people to both sides so that the the political establishment can keep their power by pre pretending to offer change by being on the left or the right. And um, it's, it sucks, man, that that's the, that's the paradigm that we live under and that most people ascribe to. And I think that, uh, you know, that's, I guess that's what makes libertarians like us and or anarchists like us such an enemy to the establishment because we actually never shut up about that. Right. <laughs> and that's yeah, we will never shut up. Well, and they never, they never share stories about good guys with the guns ending things. You know, it's right. never headline news ever. Yeah. It's a local story only. And then, um, you know, then, then, then it kind of fizzles out. <laughs> And there's a lot of times these good guys with guns do get shot by cops. We've we've covered multiple stories of this on the on the Free Thought Project, you know. But I mean, not to say that they're all like Johnny's story, but um, you know, certainly they're newsworthy. And and it's police killing somebody, and it's police killing somebody who wasn't committing a crime, and it's police killing somebody who was a hero, right? And yeah, that goes against the narrative. It's 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 just it's it's utterly insane. But then they hate police too, you know, you know, like it's right. they just, there's no consistency. It's just whatever rage and whatever they, you know, like, you know, you've tried to talk to these people about things and they just can't, they can't say anything be, beyond all cops are bastards. They can't like say anything beyond it. You know, they can't discuss it. Right. Nuance is a word that's not in their vocabulary and it, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, and I, and a lot of that is, is programming from these, you know, from this divisive talking points so that the, that they're most of these people's information comes from. And that's why we do the free thought project, you know, <laughs> that counter narrative. Yeah. That was, that was kind of the point I was making earlier. And I, I know I mentioned, you know, we're not necessarily trying to be elitists, but I mean, that's kind of how things have panned out. And I would say, in my observations, like at least the people on the right tend to be a little more logic oriented, not always, right? Like they're also very apt to acting on their emotions, especially when it comes to, you know, war or bombing other countries or something like that. But the left seems like they've just led like dogs on a leash by the media and a lot of these talking points, especially if you throw in some, I don't know, maybe some hyperbole about white supremacy or, or uh, white nationalists or something. And that's like a dog whistle, you know? So, I mean, yeah, I don't think there's anything dishonest or disingenuous or inaccurate about saying that. It seems like that's a pretty honest observation in this, this day and age. Yeah. 
Yeah, they just don't. And a lot of us want, like, we have all these podcasts, libertarians, you know, we're all autistic podcast people like, because we want to talk about it, but they will never talk about it. Like this Jeremy guy I offered, I still am offering him a chance to just talk to me. Just talk to my face. Tell me what you were trying to do. What were you trying to accomplish? Just talk to me. I bet there's things we could agree on in this world, you know, but like they never will. They never will. They will never talk. They will never discuss. It's the us versus them. <clears throat> and it's it's very widely known, but no one knows it works on them. You know, like the the the, the divide and conquer is, is the oldest strategy in the book. And <clears throat> everybody is completely aware that it exists, but they don't think that it's ever happening to them. And all you have to do is look in, you know, look at anything. Look at an article on the right. Look at an article on the left. There's no middle ground, you know, like the. There's this, the, you know, the anti-trans uh, <clears throat> push on the right, which um, I'm, you know, like, obviously, I don't think that children should be able to have sex changes without their parental consent. And I think that's a very in-depth subject that we're not going to get into right now. But on, on like a lot of my followers on Twitter, when I, I like I kind of found I kind of saw this where this was going, this anti-trans was actually rooted in like anti-gay. And so these people were calling like the all gay people groomers and they were like my followers. I'm like, man, that's you, these people, that's the people on the right that have been pushed so far into that camp that they think that all gay people are groomers, you know? And then on the, on the right, you have, yeah, you have the same people like that are trying to show strip teases with men and, you know, thongs to babies. <laughs> like it's, that's the product that <laughs> this, I mean, granted it's a bell curve and those are the extremities, but they're, happening nonetheless right yeah yeah no it's that's been a big message we've pushed too because i've always even before I, before it was cool i've had friends that were trans people and stuff <laughs> but it's like there can be nuance and we can talk about this and you cannot have drag queens doing that <laughs> like i love drag shows i don't want kids at drag shows i think that's pretty like that's not an extreme position. It is. It's you know, far right but... talking point, and that's why you're anti-government and anti-vax yeah. for us, Bami. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sometimes feels like the culture war is a psyop on its its own right. I, I get why it's happening because culture is downstream from politics. I mean, this all comes into play eventually, especially with the monopoly of violence known as the government, and people are always going to try to weaponize, you know, legislation to their own preferences, their own, you know, favor, but sometimes it feels like we're getting too far off course with the culture war stuff and we're it's a it's being pushed to divide people even further which is is kind of obvious but we're losing track almost of what the goal should be which is to lessen government or to to completely move away from government and there's as i mentioned before i mean there's so many facts that you know suggest that is the proper course for evolution for humanity especially because violence is the backbone of government right so like we can do better as a society we have to do better but the whole culture war it, that's what it seems like is fueling this divide between the left and the right and we've kind of become more focused on that than even politics to a certain degree do you guys find that to be the case yeah i think like the authoritarians on each side of the culture war want the government to enforce their culture so if there's right. like a way to get through to those Certainly. people like no it's the government that's the problem and you can live how you want it's the you, yeah no I, I agree with you completely do you think that there is any way to like to to get through to these people who essentially shout down everything that doesn't completely toe the line 
uh not all of them that's for sure <laughs> like yeah that. i mean like it's seriously i'm not saying nuance already but nuance is dead and i think that that's our only saving grace is that if we can get back out there and have these conversations that are not shouting matches and where people actually listen to one another i mean it's 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 definitely important and i think that's the only way out of here i just don't know how to facilitate that you know <laughs> No, I agree. It's it's it is like hard to try and find it. I feel like I found a little bit with it between at least conservatives that were a little more hardline have loo have have loosened up a little with me. But yeah, I don't I don't know. How, like it's so easy to be like, hey, you know how you hate cops? That's the government that you wanted to call <laughs> on people who weren't wearing masks. Like it's just like you wish you could like get through those simple little things to them. You know, I made a post today where like. Uh, there was a shooting out here so of course gun control comes up right away and it's like if you can i always say oh wow we're having even though we have the biggest government ever we have more laws than ever and there's a shooting happening and they go yeah but that's not correlation i go i agree that's why we shouldn't make more laws like you just have to like get in these little things to them but if it works i don't know i don't know yeah well yeah. i mean i know somehow on the long term it does i was a devout neocon who, you know, would have probably killed anybody that they pointed me at when I was in the Marine Corps. And uh, if I can break out of that and come to where I am now, where I still challenge my principles on a daily basis, you know, like that's basically what you should do as a, as a human, you know, you should never think that you're right. Cause that's the, that's when shit gets dangerous. But if I can come from being a neocon Marine jarhead who, was literally praying for war and you know oppress people then i think that anybody can even even people who might want to you know present drag queens to children i think that there's like there's there's definitely the ability for humanity to come together and and uh move past their obstinate little worlds that they're stuck in but Social media is certainly facilitating that, and it's a uh, you know it's it's going to be a different way out. I don't know how it's going to happen, but maybe AI will figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the neural lace, man. Elon's going to save us. He already saved us once. And yeah, and the neural link will totally only be used for good. That's all. Don't worry. <laughs> I've yeah, had I've seen Black yell. Mirror. Nothing is going in my head. <laughs> I know. I've had people yell at me on Twitter because they're like, well, it'll help paralyze people walk again. And, blah, blah. and I'm like, that's great. It's not going in my head. <laughs> like, it's not. <laughs> you, how do you not see how that could be used nefariously? I don't I don't get it. Yeah. And Klaus Schwab is the one who's promoting it. We put yeah. the brain, the chip in the brain. and <laughs> uh. Yeah. But I think I think we touched on something kind of important there, though. And, you know, it is how do we bridge this divide and how do we talk to each other like humans? And, it, you know, we often say this, you know, if you get off your phone, if you get off the Internet, and you go <laughs> walk around downtown, you're going to see people being friendly to each other. You're going to see people helping each other out, being polite, courteous. But when we're online and we're divided into these political camps, it's like we're all each other's worst enemy. And. I don't know. I feel like a lot of this just boils down to the ego, right? And and these tribalistic types of mentalities of wanting to belong in an in-group. And we could all say like, hey, yeah, law enforcement in this country is out of control. Well, maybe not all of us. Some people on the right still kind of support police. But there are certain topics that we could talk about, like, say, the drug war. But yet 
if there becomes a, a position that's it, it's outside of the platitudes, it's outside of the the position that the group that you know the, either it's on the left or the right is taking, then it seems like it's not something that's cohesive. It's not something that people could really come together about. We could agree on it, but. Like what exactly is that? You know, like how do we try? How do we bring people together? How do we maybe move some of these specific preferences politically and culturally out of the way to recognize that there is a common enemy? There is one group of people who claim extra rights. They claim a monopoly on violence. You know, and I know we're running out of time here, but I feel like that's been kind of the mission of the Free Thought Project for the past 10 years now. And it sounds like that's very much where you're at Jessica as well with your, with your type of work, but like we have to dig in there. We need to kind of come to that conclusion and figure out what it is that we can do instead of continuously pushing each other apart. That's just working to the bidding of the ruling class, you know, and, and the media and all these different various arms of the establishment. So, you know, I guess that's maybe a good question to ponder uh, as we wrap this up, but I don't know. How, what do you guys think on that? I, I agree completely. I think it's just a matter of people who are can be calm and say things like, hey, I, I live my life this way and I'm not going to force you to live this way. I can hold the thought in my head. I believe this would be the best option, but I'm not going to use the government to force you. Um, Unless it comes to a vaccination, at which point then you, you know, then I hold the gun and you should do what I say. There's people studying this, like what's causing so much divide and what's, you know, why, why society, the very fabric of it tends to, or seems to be coming apart. And it's because like humanity, well, one of the prevailing theories is that humanity has always lived in a constant struggle for the majority of our time on earth. You know, if you look at a, if you look at like, say all of humanity is the face of a watch, you know, we've only done like modern humans have only been around for a few seconds and on a 24 hour period. So we're hardwired to these really intense situations where lions are chasing us down. We're at war. They're murdering people. You know, there's all we're starving to death. Like that's the, that's what humanity grew up doing. And we don't have that so much anymore. Luckily, a lot of us don't, you know, there's still hell on earth for some people on this planet, but humanity in general has it way nicer. So we're, but we're these machines that have been, you know, genetically evolved over time to to need this strife. And they've found that, you know, very hard times actually bring people together uh, really well. And some people actually miss it. Like in uh, there's a, <clears throat> a famous picture of a spray painting uh, on a side of a building. I want to say Libya. It might not be Libya, but it was after the uh, war was over, the people wanted the war back because it stopped them from fighting each other and they were you know they came together as a community they had spray painted in whatever language uh, on the side of the building like bring back the conflict and it's crazy to think about that and it's you know I don't, the, the solution uh, what's the solution to a, a species who's genetically predisposed to actually only getting along when shit is hitting the fan uh maybe that's why we're driving ourselves to fucking shit hitting the fan right now you know we're on the verge of nuclear war maybe maybe all this is the answer maybe we can uh, get right up to the precipice of complete total human annihilation and like be like all right now we're together <laughs> yeah <sighs> but that being said <laughs> forest mommy how how do you personally think that people could what what do you think people can do personally in their lives uh to 
to try to bring about the solutions that we, you know, we've been talking about today. Um, to fight their Pavlovian responses. First of all, that's half the problem Ooh, too. Good. You know, like I always, I kind of have, I play little psych games on Twitter where I like, I post things and I know exactly what people are going to respond to. And then I calm out for it. Cause I'm like, you fight your response. You don't have to say that. So when someone sees something political or whatever, they like right away want to like repeat some line they've heard a million times or said a million times before. They have to fight that. Mm -hmm. They have to fight the side crap. They have to learn. Uh, like I, I personally, I'm not a mother. I will never tell someone else how to live. If I was a mother, guess what? I'd want to have a mom and a dad for my child. That doesn't mean I'm going to try and force that on other people. Like people have to be able to hold. And I'm like, I'm basically a degenerate. Like I'm not, but I would never like force that on other people. So people have to be able to hold multiple thoughts in their head of like, this is how I'm going to live. I'll never force other people how to live. This is, this is my idea, but I'm not going to force my idea on other people either. It's really just the, like fighting that authoritarian urge, which we see it everywhere. I mean, someone was telling me on Twitter the other day that if the right, if there was an authoritarian right the world would be better or something. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, you know, it would be okay. Everything would be better than if like there was an authoritarian right government. I'm just like, no, like getting it through to people's head that authoritarianism yeah. is a disease and it will never bring about anything good. <laughs> That'd be my points. Yeah. Very well said. Good ideas do not require force. Yes. All right, free thinkers, this episode is nearing its end. Just a reminder, we've been working extremely hard to bring you some of the most powerful voices in the truth liberty movement. We work tirelessly for you to bring these concepts to the masses and to educate and wake up those who continue to sleep. Please don't forget to consider donating or subscribing if you appreciate the work we do. It's becoming more and more difficult to do this, and we can no longer depend on social media advertisers of big tech monetization. Our support network is you. So help us rebuild this organization by going to our website, thefreethoughtproject.com, and at the top you'll find tabs for our memberships and donations. Also, please review and rate this podcast if you enjoyed it. Thank you, Freethinkers. So, yeah, very, very, very good points for us, Mommy. Like, this has been a really informative hour, uh, and... Yeah, I, I don't know that we we have all the answers to all society's problems, but it's conversations like this one that can help us get to those, you know, and I love what you're doing. I'm I'm pretty inspired by you running for a local office and going out there and doing that. It's uh, definitely something that I would never see myself doing. <laughs> and so it takes us a, a certain level of bravery. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on and for being a, a snarky witty you know take no shit voice on twitter that i think a lot of people should uh, enjoy is there a, um is there anything that you want to plug um i mean obviously forest mommy's on twitter but anything else that you want to get out there to for our listeners uh no just like on youtube everywhere i'm forest mommy and I'm, I'm back on youtube after a couple strikes and stuff so <laughs> but uh every, yeah just look up look me up everywhere as forest mommy uh and eventually jessica fenske campaign pages as well so hell yeah if i was in colorado i'd vote for you thank you <laughs> thanks for having me on thank you very much for coming.